Lots of hype around the holiday season, isn't there? Tons of hype. We buy presents. We attend countless parties and events. We travel to see relatives or have relatives in town come see us. We stress ourselves and build up. Just we want this climactic day each year. We build it up and it comes and then it's gone, right? And if we're really honest, we'd admit that most of the time, Christmas doesn't live up to our expectations. For many, this season can leave us disappointed. Kind of like this story. There was once a young mother who was having a horrible day. Her phone rang, and a kindly voice on the other end said, How are you, sweetheart? How's your day going? Oh, mom, said the woman, I'm having such a bad day. The baby won't eat. The washing machine broke. The house is a mess. I haven't had a chance to go Christmas shopping. And we're having two couples over for dinner tonight. The mom was overwhelmed with sympathy. Oh, honey, she said, sit down, relax, close your eyes. I'll be over in half an hour. You can go shopping. I'll clean the house and cook dinner for you. I'll feed the baby. I'll even call a repairman to fix the washing machine. Now stop crying. I'll do everything. In fact, I'll call John at the office and ask him to come home and help out. John, said the housewife, who's John? Why, John, your husband. Isn't this 555-1265? No, it's 555-1264. Oh, I'm sorry, said the kindly person. I must have the wrong number. There was a pause. Then the helpless housewife asked, Does this mean you're not coming over? (laughs) I love that. How can we keep from being disappointed? How can we ensure that this Christmas season will live, live up to the expectations that we put on it? Or how can we put our expectations in the Lord instead of being caught up in all the hecticness? Our text today gives us Two people who saw their greatest expectations fulfilled. So we're going to examine some of that anticipation for the first Christmas. And then we're going to look at some steps to help us put our expectations in Jesus. Because he's really the only one capable of meeting our expectations. So let me ask you some questions. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Are you longing for anything? What are you expecting to receive? Are you looking forward to anything special this Christmas? In the Gospel of Luke, second chapter, we come across these two characters. They make their appearance toward the end of the Christmas story. One man is named Simeon, and the woman is named Anna. Now, they don't appear in any nativity scenes. In fact, I don't think we have ever had them as characters in the drive through nativity. Maybe after today's message we will. I, I never see them on Christmas cards. But they were significant players in the first Christmas. Both of these individuals were waiting for something. Actually, they were waiting for someone. Let me read the story. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. 
he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been, it, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the failing and rising, the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul. There was also a prophetess named Anna. She was very old. She had lived her, with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Luke uses a Greek word meaning anticipation here in this passage. It identifies Simeon and Anna as waiting expectantly for the coming Messiah. It literally means that they were alert to his appearance and ready to welcome him. We see in verse 25 where we read, he was waiting, Simeon was waiting, that's that word. And then with Anna, it says that she was looking forward, all anticipation. So let's talk about those two people for a little bit. First of all, Simeon, he was waiting for comfort, comfort. He's described as being devout, which means he had a pretty good relationship with God. He was a godly man. Simeon's most striking description is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. For 400 years, since the closing of the Old Testament period, heaven had been silent. God had not been speaking. These were dark days, but Simeon was holding on to God's promise to deliver a Redeemer, a Messiah, who would come and bring peace uh, consolation means to come alongside. It means to comfort. Things weren't going very well in that nation, Israel. They were under Roman rule, and they had lost their political independence. They were living in the fear of that cruel King Herod. Many were wondering, would the Messiah even come? Now, they all knew that prophecy, all those prophecies. But there was no word from God for so long. People were stopping to hope. They were consumed with the drudgery of their lives, but not Simeon. Simeon had a good reason for his anticipation because the Holy Spirit told him that he wouldn't die before he saw Jesus, the Lord's Christ. 
Can't you just picture this old guy walking around the streets of Jerusalem, looking intently into the faces of strangers and asking God, will I see him today? Could this be the one? Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. Now, among the Jews in that day, there was a popular name for Messiah. It was the Comforter. That's what they actually were looking for, the Comforter. Like some of those Christmas songs we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Like a haunting song. They were waiting, waiting, waiting. It's probably true that the desire to be comforted is a universal human need. We all struggle with different things like loneliness, emptiness, insecurity, even desperation. In fact, the Christmas season is one of the major crisis times for depression. It just kind of happens around this time. The Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple right at the right hour, on the right day, when Mary and Joseph were bringing their infant to the temple. When Simeon looked at the baby Jesus, he knew God's promise had been kept. He must have wanted to dance a jig. He was so excited. He knew that not only was that promise for him, it was the promise that was coming for everyone to eliminate rejection and fear and loneliness and all that kind of stuff. Now, can you imagine this? Simeon took the baby from from Mary and starts singing. You parents, imagine some old geezer coming up, grabbing your baby and singing worship songs. I mean, it must have been kind of unsettling for Joseph and Mary. But as he broke out into praise, he was acknowledging that this was the promised Messiah. This is who the prophets talked about, the anointed one to come forth and bring comfort for both the Jews and the Gentiles. So you see how Simeon, major player in the Christmas story. Now there's another Christian character waiting with anticipation. She was Anna, and she was waiting for forgiveness. For forgiveness. Only married seven years, and then a widow until she's 84. During that long time, she dedicated herself to praying and fasting, always there in the temple. The Bible says she never left. She worshiped day and night. And I'm sure she slept. I'm sure that was trying to give a, a real good impression of her. But think about it. She's always there. If, if you wanted to start a prayer vigil, you don't need to. Anna's there. You want to start a prayer team? Ah, don't worry about it. Anna's got it covered. <laughs> always there. She was looking forward to the same person Simeon was, but with a different orientation. Instead of looking for comfort, she was looking for forgiveness. Interesting tidbit here. Anna, the name Anna, it means grace. Think of the amazing grace in the forgiveness of God. The free gift of forgiveness from God. No wonder she was named Grace. No wonder she was picked for this task by God. Luke says she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That word redemption, 
It's related to captivity. It means to buy back, to take a slave and buy them back so you can free them. The Old Testament Passover and and the release of Israel from the Egyptian slavery, it stood in Anna's day as the ultimate redemption and the symbol of God's power to release captives. The Passover pointed to that day when God would provide deliverance from that slavery of sin. We'd all be set free. It includes that day when the Hebrews were done with with their captivity in Babylon. They had been rebellious and they were sent there. But now they were forgiven. They were redeemed. I find it always kind of personal that the band here is named Redeemed. That's the name of our worship band. And uh, I, at least, for one, can relate to that being in the music industry for most of my life and, and not using it for God's glory for most of my life. And uh, I used it for my own good. Make money, get what I want, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when God saved me, he redeemed not just me, but the music. I took that right into the church. That's how I got into the ministry and I, I just, it always means something to me. I'm sure there's some other band members that can sing that same song. But that's, that's uh, precious to me. When, when Anna saw this child, she gave thanks. And she was encouraging those around her with that same anticipation. I'm going to be redeemed. God's going to rescue me. Here at last, the one to save people from their sins. There are people all around us that are looking to be redeemed. They're probably not saying that. They're probably not saying, boy, I wish somebody would come along and buy me back. (laughs) But they are looking for something. They're looking for hope. They're looking for peace. They may not even know they're looking. So share your joy this Christmas. Share it with people around you, just like Anna did. Now, those two people are great Christmas stories, uh, Christmas characters in the story, but it's really not them that's going to bring us what we need. It's Jesus. Jesus is the provider. He provides what we need. Both Simeon and Anna's expectations were fully met in Jesus that day. He provided the very things that they were wanting. God's comfort, God's forgiveness. So what are you waiting for this Christmas? Whatever it is, Jesus can give it to you. Can any of you maybe identify with Simon? Maybe some of you are really hurting right now. Maybe you feel lonely or empty. Maybe you're afraid. Who knows, maybe you're just maxed out. You feel like you need some comfort, some consoling, maybe a fresh sense of God's presence. If so, you can find what you're looking for in Jesus. He came to console us, to to comfort us right where we are. Or maybe you identify more with Anna. Are you plagued with guilt this Christmas? Maybe because of something you've done or a way you've been living? You feel like you're trapped in a pattern you can't break out of? If you need forgiveness, 
You can get that today, this very instant. You can pray for it right now. Let it come into your heart. Jesus can give you that. No better time to receive that, by the way, than the Christmas season. You'll remember that one forever. So if Jesus is the answer, what do we do? How do we get that? Well, I want to give you some action steps. Some steps to receive this forgiveness and this this comfort. Three things from this passage. Now, if your level of anticipation can be like that first Christmas with Simeon and Anna, you can also experience their same level of excitement. Here's the three steps. First of all, we need to become a marveler. We need to be marvelers. When Joseph and Mary tried to process everything that was happening that day, verse 33 says that they marveled at what was said about Jesus. According to the dictionary, to become a marveler is to be filled with wonder. Wonder. It's to be filled with astonishment. (gasps) To be surprised. Are you allowing anything to surprise you this Christmas? Is anything new enough with this Christmas story to make you wonder? Are you too caught up in the busyness and the stress to even notice? Are you focused on the holidays instead of trying to make it a holy day? Has Christmas become too predictable, too familiar? Have you heard the Christmas story so much that it no longer astonishes you? Or are you freshening up your thoughts and trying to make this a type of first Christmas? Actually, this can be a dangerous time for some of us. Our annual celebration of Christmas can immunize us to its reality. We hear just enough of the story each year to inoculate us against the real thing so that we never really catch the true Christmas fever. To become a marveler, we need to try some things. Here's some easy things. Why don't you pick a Christmas character? That's what we're going through in this series. We're going through some Christmas characters. That's what Christmas Eve will be all about, a whole bunch of Christmas characters. Take one of them. Get in their sandals, so to speak, and imagine what it must have been like to witness Christmas for the first time. Go ahead, pick one of them. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna. There's many of them. Just marvel, marvel about this story. Second thing, become a mover, a mover. Verse 27 says, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. Then down in verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God. Both Simeon and Anna were movers. When the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they didn't sit still. What would have happened if they did sit still? Well, they didn't respond at all. Actually, every one of the Christmas characters is a mover because they responded to the Spirit's leading with the exception of King Herod. I mean, he even moved. He just moved in the wrong direction, trying to kill Jesus by killing all the two-year-olds and younger. Mary, 
She was ready to move. When the angel said to her, when the angel talked to her, she said to the angel, may it be to me as you have said, ready to move. Joseph demonstrated that he was a mover when after his dream, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. The shepherds were movers when they said, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. We learned last Sunday that the wise men, they were looking for that star. And when they saw it, they moved out of their comfort zone. Cornerstone family, when God prompts us to do something, we need to do it as a church and as individuals. It might mean a first-time commitment to move toward Christ. For others, it might mean moving from that first step to full surrender. Or maybe it means being more involved in serving in a ministry team here. Do you sense him asking you to do something today? Are you willing to move? Get up and do something? Don't procrastinate when God prompts you to do something. Just do it. Now, I'm stunned by what Simeon told Mary in verse 34. Must have taken her breath away. He said, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. He said, a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. Wow. I mean, he obviously wasn't saying, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Instead, he pauses, he clears his throat, and he tells her that Christmas will never be merry, the new year will never be happy until people start moving and surrendering their lives to God. Here's the truth. Christmas really splits us into two camps. Since Jesus entered the world, he has divided the human race. Jesus will cause the falling or the rising of many. People must eventually make a decision about him. The Bible uses this powerful imagery. Jesus is either the rock that you build your life upon, that would be rising, or he's the rock that you stumble over, that would mean falling. He's calling each one of us to make a decision. And based upon our willingness to move and respond, we will either rise or fall. It's just as simple as that. There's no fence riding there. There, There's no way to be neutral about Jesus. You're either against him or you're for him. You're You're either moving closer toward him or you're moving further away. So maybe if you marvel enough to think of this as the first Christmas... Maybe curiosity will get the best of you, and then you'll become a mover. Marvelers can't help but become movers. And that leads us to the final action step for this passage. We need to become messengers. Become a messenger. Look at verse 38 again. Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption. Do you have family or friends who are just caught up in the preparations for Christmas. I mean, whacked out about it. Oh, I can't get this done in time. 
oh, I don't know what to do. I don't have enough money to buy that gift or this gift. You got people like that, I'm sure. You know of some. Why don't we look at those people this way? That their anticipations and their longings really represent that inner search for comfort and forgiveness. Those things that only the Messiah can provide. God wants each one of us to become messengers of the Christmas story. When we study God's grace, we find that there are two pieces to the forgiveness that he gave us. Two pieces. A, it's a free gift. We receive it. B, we give it back out. That's the two pieces of God's forgiveness, his grace. Receive it, give it back. Receive it, give it back. This is the prime indicator that we are true followers of Jesus Christ. That we receive his grace, his forgiveness, and we give it back out. That's what makes Anna so special. She wasted no time in telling people about the hope. She knew it was a big enough gift for her with tons to go around for everybody else. So let me wrap up this great Christmas gift. As you and I become marvelers, wow, the Christmas story. Get a little bit of elf in you. <gasps> Hyperventilate a little bit hyperventilate a little bit over this marvelous story. As we become marvelers, the wonder of Christmas will astonish us. Then as we become movers, our need for comfort and forgiveness, those needs will be met. And as we take our role as a messenger seriously, we'll be in a position to introduce the Christ of Christmas to others so that they in turn will find what they've been anticipating. They're anticipating something. So Cornerstone family, here it is in a nutshell. Christmas is a marvelous, moving message. It's a marvelous, moving message. So anticipate it. And, and, and anticipate it in a way where you expect something to happen. Simeon and Anna were certainly not going, well, I sure hope it happens. They were expecting it. Their anticipation was great. So expect something. To expect the Holy Spirit to fill you up till you're ready to bust. And then you can't help but tell the story. You can't help but show the story with your life. I mean, how can we not anticipate something phenomenal. Not just this Christmas, but every Christmas. For that matter, every day. Why not? How can we not find something astonishing as if it was the first Christmas? How can we keep quiet about it? We're going to share communion today. The Lord's Supper. That's when Jesus took the bread, He broke it, He said... Every time you do this, I want you to remember me. My body was broken for you. He took the cup and he said, every time you do this, I want you to remember me. I spilled every drop of blood for you. So your sins are forgiven. Grace, mercy. And while we're doing this, 
the ushers are going to come and they're going to dismiss you by rows. The elders are going to be up here to serve you. I want you to do this. As you get up, I want you to realize that you're moving. And let that speak to your heart. That you are a mover because you're also a marveler. You're marveling at this unbelievable story of Jesus coming in the virgin birth. All the miracles around that. And just let this be a time of meditation on the glory of the story. And, and ask that God, through his Holy Spirit, would fill you to overflowing. So you can't, just can't help but spread the story of Christmas. Would you do that? I'm going to pray. The ushers are going to get ready. I think, Pete, if you could maybe help us. And Steve. Um, we're also, at, we do this every quarter when we do um, communion. We're taking a benevolence offering. We like to keep the, uh, the benevolence fund filled up so we can give to other people. So that'll be happening as you leave today. Let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you did for us. And you do it every moment. You give and give and give. You, you work things out for us all the time. You're working in and through us and around us. Lord, let us be expectant people. Let us be expecting something to happen and anticipate that in great ways. And we thank you for doing all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come forward.
body of our Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus. Before you leave, I want you to do something. I want everybody to kind of scoot up on the edge of your seat. Lean, lean in this way. Let's just, it's like you're ready to take off, right? Okay, there's a Bible verse that says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That word wait is not this. It's what you're doing right now. It's an action word. It's anticipation, waiting for the Spirit of the Lord to move in your life, to come into you and fill you up to overflowing. That's Christmas this year for you guys, okay? Amen? Amen. Have a great week. God bless you all.